What's going on gamers and welcome to episode 7 of Average Gamer and welcome to 2017. In this episode we're going to be covering three topics. The first topic will be the NVIDIA CES keynote disaster and the second topic will be why is linearity in games frowned upon these days. And to finish up the podcast we're going to be taking a look at the Nintendo Switch reveal event and we're going to be covering the rumored launch lineup for the system and then giving you a few predictions as well. Now, by the time this episode goes up, the event will have already happened, but we thought it would still be cool to kind of throw in our kind of predictions and what we expect from the event and to look back in retrospective when this cast is actually up on Monday and you guys will be able to see straight away whether we were right or we were wrong with our expectations and predictions. And finally, before we jump into the cast, I'd like to say a big thank you to Jason, who was our number one subscriber and was actually generous enough to give us four games as giveaways, which we are giving away on the podcast. Now we're giving away two of the games in this episode and we're giving away two of the games in next episode. And those games will be Gears of War 1, 2, 3 and Gears of War Judgment. Now all you have to do to be eligible to pick up two of these games in this episode is to find a little audio clip that I've hidden in the episode from either myself, Grant or Joe that sounds very unusual and out of place. Now I'll give you the rest of the details at the end of the podcast so make sure you listen all the way through, you find that clip and pay attention to the end because that's how you get the last details for the giveaway. But other than that, enjoy the cast and here's Joe with the NVIDIA CES keynote disaster. Yeah, well, I've already done a couple of videos on this, as you guys will have seen, so uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. But basically, NVIDIA's keynote speech at CES was, well, in my opinion anyway, a bit of a disaster. And they announced uh, <laughs> a new GeForce Now service, which is going to be $25 for 20 hours, or even 25 <laughs> yeah, or even worse, $25 for 10 hours if you want the higher service. Um, the higher, the higher they service. also announced, yeah, the 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 better service apparently. Um, so you, you, if you if you're gonna access a GeForce 1080, you'll get the 10 hours service. So if you want to play it, you know, 1080p or whatever, you're gonna have to pay even more. So it gets even worse when you look at it like that. They also announced two new Shield products and meet the new Shield, same as the old Shield. Shield, 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 Shield. Um, shield. <laughs> meet the new they, Shield. They, <laughs> Sorry, and they t <laughs> they told us that, uh, that we're getting a 16 gig one, which is uh, the only difference really from the 2015 versions is the 16 gig is a smaller form factor. I think, although I'm not absolutely certain, that the 500 gig version is the same size as the original Shield, but hardly surprising given that it is the original Shield just repackaged. Um, but what what was confusing there was that they were talking about bringing forward some new software. So, for instance, we're getting Amazon 4K coming to the new Shield. And that was causing those two things, the GeForce Now service at $25 yeah. and the the new software for the the new Shield, you know, upset quite a few people um, because we thought that, hey, you know, what's happening to the current Shield, you know, and people like me who own the current Shield. And it actually transpired that actually the £749 a month for GeForce Now on the Shield is staying. <laughs> and this new service, which is also called GeForce Now at $25 for 20 hours, is a separate service with the same name. Um, and also, the, yeah, so it, it got very, very confusing. And actually... When you look at it, it's not too bad, but um, it, yeah. it was an absolute clusterfuck. And I said that in my video, but yeah, it was a disaster. What I failed to understand is why was this not made transparent and clear in their keynote? Were they worried about drifting away from their refresh and their new kind of pay scheme and package that they couldn't quickly touch on previous owners of the, you know, the OG model? Well, it doesn't make any sense because... You know, they're talking about this new service, this $25 for 20 hours, and it didn't even relate to the, the uh, to the Shield at all, actually. It's it's for Macs and PCs, for people who've right. got, you know, Macs yep. or PCs that can actually play games that, you know, haven't got the grunt. Yeah. So you'll be able to... Which, I mean, it's still a crazy service, if you ask me. I mean, who's going to... The hardcore gamers aren't going to use the service because, frankly, they've already got a PC that can do the job. 
or they're not interested in PC gaming and they've got a console and they're happy with that. And and the the, the casual gamers are going to be like, well, uh, WTF? You know, <laughs> yeah, just just <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just quickly, uh, number one subscriber being Jason. Actually, you brought it to my attention last week that on live do you guys remember that service the kind of the original streaming service was actually yeah. bought vaguely by NVIDIA yes a number of years ago so this whole nvidia kind of service i think has been in the works for you know probably a very long time yeah i remember yeah. on live because that was um one of the first sort of mentions of this idea of cloud streaming games isn't it from like um i mean uh, i i to be honest with you i'm confused how the nvidia thing, thing works so is it Will the the box itself be playing the games, or is it being streamed from somewhere be, else? Well, that's an interesting one because it's. Uh, it, I mean, it, it offers both. You, right. Okay. You can have games on the system, or you can use the streaming service, and you can play Android games, and you get special versions of Android games that are designed for use with a controller that work with the Shield, and some of those are not too bad actually. Um, Obviously, they're still Android games, but they're not too bad. And then you get like PC games that are, that that you can stream, and you can stream them if you've got a PC that's got yeah. some games on that PC. You can stream them to the Shield as well, and that doesn't but cost you a penny. There are that. Shield products that are dedicated <clears throat> to processing locally, though, aren't there? Like I've seen they have apparently tablets in their range as well, which are capable of playing Borderlands and all that. Is that right? Yeah, well, the stuff that the tablet can do is basically the same as what you can do with the Shield TV. I mean, the only difference is that the tablet is a little bit older than the Shield TV now. It's been out a little bit longer. Um, but it essentially does the same thing. Um, Let the me only guess, difference it's is called a Shield tablet. Exactly. And <laughs> you had, before that, you had the Shield handheld, oh, which was God. the clamshell one, you know? I think this whole thing, it's just so confusing. I'm lost. I don't really know what they're, what they're trying to sell. I bloody own one and I'm fucking lost. <laughs> I mean, what sort of... They're delivering, they're delivering a small form factor kind of PC, whether it be in a tablet or a handheld, which is capable of doing light to moderate gaming on the device. And then I guess they're sticking with the kind of low to medium range power for the TVs and the shield boxes. And I guess their new selling point is, hey, you can play some kind of hardcore games on here like Borderlands, you know, maybe, I don't know, Call of Duty at low settings. I'm, I'm not sure what's available on the box, but, you know, it's yeah. got the power to play games, you know, to a certain graphical level. And then it's, obviously it's if you want to... Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And if you want to go above that, then I guess they have the streaming service for people that either A, don't own one of these boxes or B, do own one of these boxes, but want to get the best visual experience that you can get on these boxes. Is, right. is that kind of it in a nutshell, Joe? Or? It's kind of like that, but it gets more confusing <clears throat> because obviously then when you factor in the fact that there's there's two streaming services with the same yeah, name. That's, which that's, that's just... On. Yeah, that's confusing. You know, which which just just muddies the waters t- terribly. I mean, you know, the, the GeForce Now has existed, you know, for some time now, and it was available. I think it was available as early as the the, the original clamshell model. Um, I don't quote me on that. I might be wrong on that, but um, it has been around for a while now, and it's you know, it's it's not a bad service, from what I understand. I don't actually use it personally because, frankly, I've got a, you know. PC, PlayStation, Xbox, the Shield for the for the um, Android yeah. games and all that kind of stuff, and I use it primarily as a streaming device. And and as a streaming device, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's it's the most powerful streamer out there. I get I get the appeal of that. I totally get that. But what I think Nvidia don't seem to realise is because if you, if you do the comparison, and I made this point in your video, the comparison to PlayStation Now, okay, so. You're streaming games that you might not otherwise be able to play because you don't have a PS3 anymore or for whatever reason, you know, you just you don't have any other way of playing them. So but what they don't seem to realize in video is that street game streaming services are just not profitable because pe- people mm. aren't convinced by them as a service. No, because if you've got if you've got a decent enough PC, you're not going to be play. You're not going to be using that service if you haven't. You're not really. You're kind of in this kind of mid middle ground area where you're going to be playing either tablet or mobile games or console games. If you've got like chances are you've got one of the consoles. If you're interested in gaming, and PlayStation now have just had to cut the cost of the service because no one's bloody using it. It's gone down to a hundred dollars a year apparently. 
um, which, recently. Which it needed to because it was overpriced, to be honest. It was overpriced. Yes, I agree. It was. But the, the fact is, people aren't using it. I mean, it's not it's not that profitable. I don't know if it is profitable for Sony, but I know that not many people use They won't release figures, but the guess, the guess yeah, is that's always the a bad industry sign. is it's not very popular. It's in the hundreds of thousands. <laughs> Isn't PS Now only for the previous generation games, though? Or are they yeah, doing PS4 games as well? No, they don't do PS4 games. It's just it's just previous gen. Yeah, I wonder if that... Like, obviously, there's a huge demand for previous gen games, but I wonder if that factors into it that you can't get like the latest games. I wonder if people would get the latest games through that service. Well, I, I think you've just hit the nail on the head there because I was, I was thinking pretty much along the same lines. And I was thinking with whether you're looking at Shield or whether you're looking at PS Now. If you got an exclusive game that came out for either the Shield GeForce Now service or for the PlayStation Now service, and it was exclusive to that service and that service alone, and it was a AAA and it was a monster, then people would start taking those those seriously, those services yeah. seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, right. At the moment, it's just a, a an add-on that you might you know dabble your toe in. But it's it's not something that you're going to do as a, as your main gaming platform. Yeah, I think as well if Nvidia had a larger install base, like let's say I owned a tablet, I owned the TV box, I don't know, maybe I owned one of their third devices as well. If I could have access to through their service to that game on any device, kind of like you do with the Xbox Play Anywhere, then it might be a lot more appealing. But when you just got that one TV box and you're paying a ridiculous subscription plan for it. It's just not worthwhile. And then you've got to factor in as well that people, I think, are put off by these streaming services because they're predicting or foreseeing issues with the delivery of the game to their TV. Like, how many... I, I can't sit here. Like, I'm on fiber optic. I don't sit here thinking that I'm going to get, you know, a one-for-one -one experience through a streaming service like I would with, you know computing the game on my pc or my xbox i just don't think it's going to be up to snuff compared to doing all the processing locally yeah well this you you've, you've again made a point there because you know you're talking about being able to use it across platforms now you would think if you're trying to look at providing a service like that a streaming service across platforms and grow the service you would think that nvidia would have been savvy enough not to have introduced a second service doing the same thing for a different pricing scale yeah precisely you if you look at the if you if you look at the shield then it's i think it's 7 for i wrote 749 a month for the shield service and and you can you know play any of the games on that service. They do offer um, you know some of the more up to date games as well, and you have to pay extra for those. And I hate services that do that. If you're playing a subscription, you're playing a bloody subscription. Uh, you know this is why I, I much prefer Netflix over Amazon Prime Video because Me Amazon too. Prime Video, after the time you go in to play something, and then you have to pay extra money for it, especially the 4K movies, which are bloody twenty quid or whatever. Yeah, I just want anyway, to say fuck Amazon. On the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. This should be Carry your catchphrase. Well, they're Grant. never sponsoring us. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you, you would think you would think that Nvidia would have done that. They would have said, okay, $749 a month. If you've got your shield and you're paying your $749 a month and you want to have that service on your PC, fill your boots. You know? Why yeah. have a second service? It makes no sense whatsoever. They're competing with themselves now. How does the pricing compare between the two services? Though? Is the new structure completely inferior and unfair compared to the old one? Well, I suppose it depends what you want. But, I mean, think about it this way. It, a lot of people, 749 a month. I mean, I look at it and I think, well, I've got loads of other stuff I subscribe to. 749 a month. Am I going to use it enough to justify it? Well, probably not. But... If I wasn't subscribing to other things and looked at the games and there were a few games on there that I didn't have on other systems, uh, I'd look at it. I think seven forty nine a month. Well, you know, you buy a magazine; it's almost that these days. You know, it's not a huge amount of money. I could probably pay seven forty nine a month, and I wouldn't notice it that much going out of my account. And yeah. you know, I can sit down and play those games anytime I like. Twenty five dollars or uh, for twenty hours, or twenty five dollars for ten hours if you want the better service. That I don't. What is the better service? Like I don't understand. Like are they streaming it to you in 4K or something? 
Well, basically, no. It'd be at this stage. It's it's. I mean, the the potential's there if you've got the bandwidth. I presume down the line, because I remember a couple of years ago when they were talking about this, they were talking about the potential for streaming four K. That ain't going to happen at this stage. Not with games, but um, but I think at the moment what it is is they're talking about um their servers and depending on what you know graphics capabilities you're getting from those servers, and I think the better the better servers that you'll be accessing, presumably that's what they mean. Yeah. Are having either or the equivalent of at least uh, the GeForce 1080 in. So it's so in theory they should be able to pump out some some serious graphical power. You know, um, for twenty five pound for twenty hours is um, apparently supposedly inferior to that. So I don't I don't know. You'd have to you know until people start seeing the service in action, it's very difficult to say. What isn't it? a crock of shit. Exactly. Why should I have to pay more for a graphical slider or checking a few <laughs> boxes? I mean, I could run the same visuals that a 1080 could on my 1070, not yeah. at the same frame rate, obviously, but still probably at an acceptable frame rate, and it didn't cost me anything extra. Yeah, the thing yeah. is, though, what you've you got to sorry, sorry, go no, go sorry, what you remember is people will not pay for a limited time. They, the, it's the psychology of sort of marketing and sales is that people are used to a mobile phone model where they pay a monthly fee like Netflix. Yeah, okay, if you're going to tell them, if you're going to tell them they can pay get twenty hours for X amount of money and it's time limited, they're going to turn their nose up at it. It yeah, doesn't time work. Shit. Yeah, because well, people hate when it. Sony suggested it for their yeah. PlayStation Now service. Everyone went fucking batshit crazy over it. You're fucking <laughs> exactly. Joking, aren't you? Exactly. Do you guys remember all the PC kind of like land places that you'd have where you'd walk in and you'd buy two hours for 15 bucks and you sit down, you go in with a few buddies and you'd play Battlefield 2 on land? It's yeah. almost like we're seeing that again now, but we're seeing the online equivalent. Yeah, that only that only worked up to the point where internet wasn't fast enough mm. for people mm. to do it at home. But as soon as it tipped over the other way, you know... It, they went out of business. It's only in Korea where it's a weird anomaly where people go out to these PC bangs to play yeah. these games. But over in other countries, they don't. They do it at home. But you know, it's <laughs> and they well, want to pay. Like a, to... They want. They want to pay a simple monthly fee. They don't want to pay a time limited. You know. Well, that's it. If you had a service like Netflix and you had a huge array of games, and it was simple as picking up your controller, scrolling through a huge catalogs of games, and this is just covered under my, I don't know, 30 Australian dollars a month. I just flick through, I'm like, boom, Call of Duty, select it, and you're playing, and you're off and you're going. Like, if it was something as seamless and as easy as that rolled into an all subscription, then you'd have my attention as long as the service was, st- like, stable and consistent. You'd probably have you'd probably have my money at least to try it out. Yes. A bit, at the moment, I think these services are just testing the waters, and I and I think that you know I, I said in in one of my videos, sadly for me, this feels like this is what's going to be the future, that we will be playing a subscription service for our games like we do for Netflix, but I don't actually think that we're there yet. I don't think that the the bandwidth's there, you know, the latency and so on and so forth that we're get going to get, it's just not there. And it's okay for, you know, dipping your toe in and having a quick go. But it's not, you know, if you're playing seriously, you're never going to play like this. Well, how many times do you sit at home going, I have fiber optic or I have a solid internet connection, but then half the time or every so often in every night, your YouTube video gets stuck buffering or something. You know, you're put off with the idea of doing a streaming service because that's what you're terrified of happening. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just to spitball an idea, if anybody was to really tackle this whole streaming thing, and I guess the people that already have the license to do so with a huge catalogue of games, could you see Steam or more likely Valve doing it? Oh, yeah. I think it will happen in the, in the long run. I can see it as a possibility as well, you know. But I think, I think they're looking at it to see, you know, see what happens with, you know, what NVIDIA are, are doing. But I can only see it failing for NVIDIA because it's too confusing. Oh, this is this is just a this is it's it's a complete joke. I mean, uh, what on earth they are thinking is beyond me. And, uh, and the whole thing, you know, I mean, if you go back to looking at the, the the announcement of the new shields and the way they did it, and they're talking about all the new features they're going to have, didn't mention that all these new features are coming to the existing shields. And all the people like me are sitting at home going, "You fuckers, you're going to leave us in, you know, going to leave us behind." No, they weren't. They weren't going to leave us behind. They didn't tell us that. 
No. It's just like they didn't know what they wanted to do. Do we want to make out that this is some new great piece of hardware and we're pushing this out the door? Well, no, it wasn't new piece of hardware. It had exactly the same chip inside it, the same amount of memory. Everything about it is exactly the same, apart from the 16 gig version being a smaller form factor. Uh, oh, and a new controller. See, I'd just go, I'd honestly, if I was going microphone. to buy one, I'd go out and buy the original model at a discounted price. Well, it's the same model. It's exactly the yeah. same piece of kit. I mean, I think the only difference you're getting with the newer ones, I'm not sure whether this is porting across to the older ones. Um, you're getting with 4K now, the higher dynamic range. Yeah, anyway, let's move on. That pretty much wraps up our in- NVIDIA stuff. So let's move on to you, Grant, with the linearity being kind of a dirty topic or word or... Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's really about um, how, you know, I think this stems back to around about... Well, I heard someone say GTA 4. When did GTA 4 come out? Um, does anyone remember out of interest? I might have to quickly Google it. But um, basically, if you think about the effect, the GTA effect, um, which is, which is um, with each installment in the GTA series, so from 3 onwards I'm talking about when it went mm. open world, um, because each game... 2008, okay. So... Um, because GTA 4 sold incredibly well, um, not obviously as well as GTA 5, but that's a phenomenon in itself. Since since um, AAA developers and publishers looked at the success of that game, they greenlit a lot of um, open world games. Well, they started to greenlight open world games around 2008 and 9. So if you think of the development cycle being about three years, mm. around 2011, 12, 13, we started to see a lot of AAA games becoming predominantly open world. So if you think of Fallout 3, which came out in 2011, maybe, or 10, um, that was really a, a catalyst. And then after that, you had Skyrim 2011. Um, there was other sort of big titles as well. But more than more importantly, what's happened is games that weren't originally designed to be open world have been almost forced into an open world design ethos because of the fact that everyone seems to be chasing this sort of GTA money. And really, I know that gaming is a business and games have to sell well, but it's getting to the stage where, I mean, Ubisoft are incredibly guilty of this, of this because all the Assassin's Creed games are virtually identical to each other and they all they've got um they've got wildlands coming out in a couple of months as well i think yeah and then that and that's going to be open world because all their games are open world they don't seem to do anything else (laughs) you know it's like every single map has to be filled to the brim with pointless collectibles and what (laughs) what i would say is that the reason part of the reason is business related but also there there came a point when and this was partly due to journalists as well as gamers, people began to criticise games for being too linear. And I don't know when it when it happened, but or what you know, or what the actual point cutoff point was, but that argument became like a dominant um sort of part of the debate in the sense that um developers and publishers start to listen to this and think oh maybe our games are too linear let's try and make them as emergent and as interesting as possible as well as commercial and just make everything open world and then people won't criticize us for being linear but it's gone the other way and now we've got these games that are too big they they take too long to complete and people have as i've said before people haven't got the time to complete them and i think there's a case a case can be made for games to be linear because it's a good thing because I said in the video, if you look at Gears of War, the campaign, you had all these cinematic moments. You know, Uncharted has the same thing. You get these great, great set of pieces. You simply can't do that in an open world game because of the nature of an open world is that you have to spread yourself over this sort of large canvas. And, you know, by doing that, you can't create these kind of moments that you can in a narrative driven game. So I think there's an argument that it's AAA gaming has become lopsided where you get a tiny proportion of developers like Naughty Dog are still doing campaign driven narrative games. And then you've got Ubisoft who are chucking out open worlds left, right and center. And people I think are getting fed up with them, to be honest. I, I certainly am. 
I, I you know, I, I don't want to be wandering around in a, in a wilderness and unless it's done very, very well. And let's be honest, I mean, it's Sturgeon's Law again, again, isn't it? And ninety percent of everything's crap. But let's let's be honest that that you know most open world games are, for the most part, garbage. Mm. Um, I'm probably over you know emphasising <laughs> it there. But there's an awful lot of, in effect, shovelware. You talk about Ubisoft. I mean, Jesus, you go in, you play those games, and and you know I'm, I, I don't want to be overcritical because there are some good bits in those games. Yeah, but it's absolutely. like when you. I, I I used the analogy the other day. It's like when you pick up a book and you, and you, you know it's a, like an airport novel. And mm, that's you, right. You, you stick it in your bag and you break your shoulder because it's it's so bloody <laughs> heavy. Yeah. But the actual the actual content in the book is 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 about a quarter of of what is you know all the words in there. This is all this bloody word salad in there that doesn't really make add up to anything, and the actual content is tiny. And this is yes. what we're getting. We're getting we're getting a lot of. A lot of games that are padded beyond belief, but there's no real the, the the real content, the real interesting stuff is really hard to find because it's it's covered in all this other gubbins. Yeah, what was it that um is it Total Biscuit? He he, I think he was talking about Skyrim. He said he said it's it's as wide as an ocean, but as deep as a puddle. And he said, and the problem is a lot of No open... Man's Sky was it? <laughs> and it might have been. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, actually, that could apply to No Man's Sky as well. But that that can be um, that criticism can be sort of point, elevate leveled at a lot of um, open world games because of their nature. Because it's very difficult to create a deep experience when over fifty hours or hundred hours. You know, it's like how when, do you do when, it? <laughs> when you were talking about GTA, the thing that that struck me was that you know after after GTA in two thousand and eight we got all these games started to come out that were open world. And it, it, it struck me as being a bit like after 1977 when we got Star Wars and everybody wanted to make the same film. So we got all these films that were inferior to Star Wars that were trying to be the same bloody thing. And it, and it's, you know, it's gone on for years. And unfortunately, I think this is what's going to happen with, with games and open world gaming. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to see an end to open world gaming. No, but I don't. Either. I want to see quality open world gaming, and I want to see other types of gaming as well. I, I don't want to just see these bloody see, great it. sprawling things. When you talk about other types of gaming, for me, I kind of, I don't disagree. I, I agree with what both of you are saying, but I think there's, I think games are being forced into these cookie cutters. Like you've got people chasing the whole online kind of aspect that of what you know, the Elder Scrolls series brought to the table, and what Grand Theft Auto brought to the table. And yeah. then you've got a lot of other studios and developers chasing the Call of Duty cookie cutter model, which is very linear. And, you know, one of my favorite game series being Halo. Halo 4 was heavily criticized because it was so linear. Like it lost a lot of its open sandbox kind of aspect that it's always had through 1, 2, 3 and into Reach. Like it lost that. And, you know, but whether it was on... the... Mm, sorry, I was just... I'm playing through Halo one at the moment. It's not... It's quite linear. It doesn't it feel is, that yeah, open. It, it, it is yeah. linear, but it, it often will open you up into these, you know, big play spaces with vehicles, right. and you have a few different kind of paths that you can take. That's Halo true, One, yeah. um, it has got it, but in number two and three, you'll notice a, a lot yeah. more. Like the play spaces are much larger, and then it'll funnel you into a complex. You know, when it turns into a corridor shooter, but um, four especially, especially number four, and I'm not sure whether. They were chasing some kind of cookie cutter mold, being Call of Duty or not, or whether it was a technical limitation for the 360, and you know, they were more worried about pushing pixels than opening up be. the play areas. I don't know, but yeah, you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, it, there is a trend with people chasing these kind of molds, like feeling they have to fit into one mold or the other. Well, it's, I mean, it's like I said, it's business driven. At the end of the day, um, like Joe said. Um, trends affect the you know the development process so if people say for instance i i, I was listening to i think uh, it might have been GameSpot, but they were talking about the effect that overwatch will have on game development because that's had such a successful year in terms of its player base growing to like several million that um surely that's going to affect you know games that are green green lit for development you know will we see a, yeah. a raft of like you know team-based colorful shooters coming out over the next few years well, remember when the mobber remember <laughs> yeah. when dota dota took off and we got league of legends and then you had like all the you know the dota and league of legend clones that popped up you know they became cheaper by the dozen almost 
Yeah. Yeah, and we've got them already with, with like Chinese mm. copies of Overwatch coming yeah, out. Yeah, that's and, it. Even but, um, Blizzard got on one. It's just, oh, I don't know. It's like, well, it's like, I mean, <laughs> you see games like The Witcher or Witcher 3, which is an example of a good open world game because it's it has depth to its storylines, you know, because they, they filled the world with people that seem alive, whereas in a lot of open world, a lot of the huge areas in the map are redundant. You know, so there's nothing much for you to do. But... um my concern is that this, you know, is this, I don't want gaming to be unbalanced or, or lopsided. I want, as a gamer, I want the choice. I want enough of a choice within mainstream gaming, like, because that's where I play most of my games. You know, I don't mind playing indie titles because that's where, you know, you can be more innovative because there's less risk, which I understand. But still, AAA gaming has a responsibility to the consumer to give them a little bit more choice than just open worlds or fuck all else. I think we everybody just constantly titles. keeps gobbling it up though, don't they? And I think that's why we keep they do. The, you know the same shit over and over and over again. Exactly right. It's yeah. It's kind of the latest greatest though, isn't it? But sooner or later that people will get tired of that and move on to the next idea. The problem there is I, th- I think you've, you've hit on this, Grant, is that we d- you don't want next greatest idea. What you want is for the, the current idea to continue and to innovate and to be interesting and for something new to come along as well. So, you know, we want variation in our gaming. We don't just want sort of three different sort of genres and that's all you can play yeah you want a lot of different options and a lot of variation otherwise it just becomes boring and why would you play them out you know after a while you've played it's like years ago i used to read you know when i was in my teens i used to read fantasy novels well you know after you've read three or four of them you might as well not bother anymore because they're all pretty much the same thing yeah they're all like lord of the rings clones and (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and and so you know after a while you just go well you know this is not interesting to me anymore because i've i've you know been there done that why why would i read any more yeah i mean it'll get yeah it'll get to the stage where people i mean mainstream developers and publishers will have to be very clever about how they package these open world games because people would have seen it before like you say it's like in order to keep them interested i mean you've already seen that like the call of duty series is like taking a huge dip in sales because it's running out of ideas it ran out of ideas you could argue several installments ago but um you know it's like where does it go you can only go so far down one corridor before you hit the end and smack your head against yeah. the wall. So it's like, yeah. you know, they're being criticised for just going way off the beaten path. But if they stayed on the path, people would just be beating them for being the same. <laughs> well, exactly, True, yeah. they can't win. Really. They're, in a, they're in a no-win situation. <laughs> they're just, they're, yeah, they're they're stuffed. So it'll be interesting, and we'll follow this up in the next topic. But it'll be interesting to see what Ubisoft do, for instance, with the next Assassin's Creed game. You know, how different will it be? You know, in reality, will it be the same? Thing just slightly differently packaged well, or yeah i mean you and i have our own theory on that which we'll <laughs> cover in the last segment but yeah um you i mean on the surface you would believe that the next assassin's creed game would be coming out the end of next year and they took a year off to refresh the series and probably i don't know redefine it and give it some new new aspects but you know we'll go into that in the next <laughs> the next the next uh the next segment i mean don't get me wrong you see i mean i i like open world gaming last year i played a lot of open world games but after a while i got thinking i really want to play a linear campaign now because you know i i like the fact that i know i'm going to be playing a game for 15 hours i mean dishonored 2 i finished recently was a 15 hour game it's perfect length exactly right you know and i think it will get to the stage where the demand will shift. The gamers themselves will, will cause the market to shift by saying, I don't have 50 hours. I want to play a game for 20 hours. And then the market Or even will if go, they do have 50 hours, they want 50 hours of quality, not 50, yes, you know, not, they do. not 50 hours of, 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 of running around doing bugger all and, and five hours of actually having something worthwhile to do. Yes, precisely. Yeah. And that, the, my hope is that, I mean, Gears of War 4, was, I put as an example in the video because I like the fact it was like eight hours campaign. You know, it was just yeah, it's about nice. right. Mm. You know, it fit in the context. Punchy. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it could yeah. tell it, the story had, within that context. Yeah, that's really it. Well. it. It had a story to tell, and it wanted to take you on a ride, and it did it. You know, yeah, just no, no padding, just bang, bang, bang. Here you go. Yeah, it was a. It was a, a. If you were looking at it in terms of a film, it was a, a well put together, well put together action movie. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't anything that was going to make you sort of question reality or worry about <laughs> you know your your existence or anything like that. You, you weren't going to have any existential problems after playing the game, but it was a ride and it was a blast while you were playing it. Yeah, and it was. There's it, nothing. You know, there's nothing wrong in that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It was it wasn't Blade Runner. It was probably Total Recall, but that's fine. You know, <laughs> as long as it wasn't the second Total Recall. Yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> Let's say about that the better. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think we probably covered that subject then, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I think we've pretty much wrapped that up. So. Our last one, which we've already teased heavily, um, will be the Nintendo Switch rumored launch lineup, and we'll just do maybe go around the table and do a couple of predictions for the reveal. Now, I've got the rumored leaked launch lineup for the Nintendo Switch. So, on this list, we have Dragon Quest. The obvious one is Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is basically they're the only game that Nintendo seem interested in showing, other than unconfirmed titles being nba and skyrim you know in the past i'm not sure if they're confirmed now they probably are confirmed and i'm going to get chewed up in the comments yeah um we have splatoon mario kart 8 shocking nba elder elder scrolls skyrim mario shocking sonic monster hunter dragon quest lego city just dance 2017 joe will be on that one and we have, <laughs> <laughs> and we have something called Project Sonic 2017. I don't know why people feel they need to label things with the year. I can understand a sports series, but yeah, wasn't this taken from some German? Somebody posted something on Reddit from some German um, shop or retailer where they had like a screen up of like an Excel spreadsheet, and it showed like some of the games as being. Um, I have any incomplete titles so I think that might account for why they're listed in a sort of a strange way I don't think that's an entire list either I think that's probably a portion of the list because I've seen other lists which yeah. detail the rest of the year and I have seen another list which had an Assassin's Creed game on it being Assassin's Creed Egypt which was already yeah. heavily rumoured I think right. everybody assumed it would be launching at the end of the year not launching on a Nintendo system but that says, I mean, the one I, I mean, I'm looking at now is from a website called Segment Next. And it says Assassin's Creed Egypt, March the 24th. So that's a week after launch. So uh, is that realistic? Do we think you know, that's going to come out? Or is it, like you say, is it just speculation at this point? I think it's all just rumors and speculation. I mean, I've seen a few different leaked lists and some of them are offering a lot more content than what that, the most recent leak was that Excel leak she was that's right um but i don't know it's interesting i mean they've got they haven't got a bad lineup they've got a few sports titles they've got a few third-party titles and they've got their usual blend of zelda mario and sonic so it looks if it is a true lineup it looks like an okay launch lineup but i mean the thing that has my interest the most is like you said the assassin's creed egypt game because that has been rumored for a while and i think a lot of people assumed i actually found it bizarre um that we had a year go by without an assassin's creed and they also decided to release a movie as well like i thought we'd get an assassin's creed game and we'd get the movie you know a couple of weeks after um which i thought that timing was weird but like we like we discussed, we think that they tied this into an exclusive deal. Yes, or if, yeah. if it if it's true, then Ubisoft have been quiet because they've been told to be quiet, or they've signed an agreement with Nintendo just to sh- basically have a timed exclusive on the Switch for the next Assassin's Creed game. It's a big coup if they've got it. Let's be honest. You know, if this if this thing is going to sell, it needs it needs really strong third party support. And if it's got EA support with the FIFA and NBA series, that's good as well. That's obviously a good thing. Assassin's Creed. If they get, if they get an Assassin's Creed game that you know after a year where we didn't get one, that could be that could be huge for Nintendo. And I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo, for once in their fucking life, pulled out their wallet and bought some exclusive <laughs> content. 
Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they had enough money to shake in front of them to go, hey, just just push just push your game, launch it, you know, three months later on our system as a launch title, and then maybe we'll see it'll be like a timed exclusive. Maybe we'll see Assassin's Creed Egypt come out, you know, at the end of this year. Um, yeah. Yeah, know, it's, would, it's a big if and maybe, but you'd, you'd think Nintendo had the, the coin to fund something like that. I think we've criticised them in the past, do. yeah, rightly so, for being out of touch. But if they, if like you say, if they've realised that the world has changed and they need this strong third-party support in order to compete properly in the console market, then fair enough, you know. You've got to give them the kudos for actually realising this and really stretching, you know really sort of putting the effort in to make this as competitive as possible because this is this is their last chance in the console market as far as i'm concerned i th- i think that this if this is true if it does turn out that this is an exclusive and i think you're right sally i think it'll be a timed exclusive i don't think it'll stay off the other consoles indefinitely i think it'll it'll have a certain date when it'll come out on the others as well yeah. but if nintendo have done this and it's like a timed exclusive for say i don't know 9 months a year something like that then that will be a big thing and i think i think that's a good sign for the switch but i still think the elephant in room is the power because i don't think that it will be able to run i mean it might be able to run this game okay but uh, there's an awful lot of games that are going to be coming out it's simply not going to be able to handle if it's got the Tegra 1, which is basically what's in the shield, we already talked about the shield, and I'm sorry to go over old ground again, but we, we talked about you know the capabilities of the shield, and it's you know a bit more powerful than a 360, or it's a bit more than that, actually. It's, it's somewhere between the 360 and the Xbox One. Well, y- you know, if it's the same chip inside the, the, the Switch... Which it is. It, it, it almost which it definitely is. is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's only so much magic you can sprinkle on it to make it do extra stuff. I mean, it, it, will, it will be barely pushing 720p if that's the case. <laughs> well, well, yeah. It's sev- that's that's why the screen on the Switch is. You know, it's. it's I, th- I can't remember whether it's confirmed. I'm assuming it's rumored because Nintendo they don't give out specs. Like that, even when they launch the system, they won't give out specs. You know, people are going to have to reverse engineer it to figure out what's in it and what it's actually capable of. Which they'll do. Um, yeah. but, ben- I, be- I believe <laughs> Sorry. it was a 720p screen on the portable. That's right, yeah. You know, so obviously they're going to be outputting 720p on the go. Um, you know, I'm assuming it's going to be capable of 1080p with probably scaled back resolutions for TVs because let's be honest, yeah, you, you, you nobody's so. going to buy a console in 2017 that can't output 1080p. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, the, the Shield can output 1080p um, a push, but... <laughs> Um, so yeah, but even so, you know, it's 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 not going to be as powerful as the vanilla PS4 or even the vanilla Xbox One. And that's I mean, that's, uh, that's uh, concerning, considering we're already got we already have the refreshed PS4 being the PS4 Pro, and yeah, we have yeah. the Scorpio coming out this year. So what are we going to see the Scorpio, a console that's literally probably going to be like five times more powerful than the Nintendo? <laughs> I don't like know. It, yeah. I don't know. I have my doubts about what the Scorpio is going to be capable of but that's another subject I think that the issue here is the power the power um argument will be a problem but I've heard people saying in the industry saying they don't think it's as big a deal as people are making up precisely because Nintendo have never really competed at the high end of the technical market when it comes to their consoles if you think of um the only time that they have i would argue is with the N64 N64 when, yeah, yeah when that had PS1 yeah when that had technology that was like silicon graphics based because they they basically decided to go down a certain route if they were going to keep cartridges then the machine itself had to be quite powerful um but if you if you look at the GameCube, for instance, um, that wasn't a particularly technically great console. I mean, yeah, some some developers did amazing stuff with that console. I mean, Metroid Prime was actually running at sixty frames a yeah. second on that, which in two thousand and two was just incredible. You just unheard of for a console. But um, Nintendo have never had since, or really, the majority of their consoles haven't been cutting edge when it comes to technology. Um, yeah, the so, problem there is though that that, that Nintendo um, had it much more their own way in the past. Yeah, they did because of their, know, their their position in the industry was stronger in the past. 
I think the yeah. thing that might save them here is 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 not so much that you know that they're they're historical historically not necessarily being that powerful in terms of their consoles, but I think what might save them might actually be, and I'm kind of arguing with what I've said in the past here, is the portable side of things. I think the fact that maybe you can, I mean, when you mentioned FIFA on it, if it's getting FIFA on it, the fact that you could play FIFA at home and then just pick it up and take it with you. And play FIFA on the go. That's a re- really attractive proposition, and people are prepared to take a little bit of a hit if it'll do that. Yeah, I mean, FIFA isn't a technically demanding game. FIFA runs on quite low end PCs, I think. Um, so this lineup is interesting because a lot of these games. I mean, I don't. We don't know obviously about the first party games because we don't know much about them. But FIFA and NBA and Elder Scrolls. I mean, that's an old game in itself. Yeah. The Elder Scrolls. So you're thinking these games have got to be um, able to be run portably and through uh, a 1080p TV. So technically, they have to be not at the higher end of the market in terms of the sort of technically demanding. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably why you'll probably find that the games have to fit a certain kind of uh, sort of specific set of rules in order to work on the console i don't know because it's quite it's it's unusual it's a hybrid machine so it's got to be able to output these different resolutions and yet maintain like a decent frame rate between the two because you're going to be picking it up and playing it on the go well that's what they say you're going to be consistent yeah. (laughs) yeah it remains to be seen how popular that concept is with gamers but it's a decent lineup, but we don't know anything, obviously, about Super Mario Frostland or, you know, some of the other stuff. But yeah, you've got a version of Minecraft, which is an old game as well. I don't know, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of curious as to how much this portable side of the console is actually going to be used, because obviously that's, you know, people always go crazy. It's not a portable. It's not a portable. Well, clearly, it's you know, it, it is, it's a portable. It's it doubles as a portable and a home console. It looks to me, from my point of view, to be more portable than a home console. Exactly but I wonder, yeah, I wonder how much that feature is going to be utilized. Like, how many people do you think are just going to buy this console because they like Nintendo or they want the new Nintendo console and they're just going to leave this thing permanently docked? Like, is is the is the portable side of things really that bankable and sellable? You know what? If you've got kids, I think it is. Yes, I, I was yes. thinking about this the other day because I, I was have I, I I was having exactly this conversation in my own head the other day. I have these strange conversations, and I I was kind of arguing with myself because I I was coming from your perspective, Sully, and then I started thinking, yeah, but if I gave that to my kid, and and he could pick it up and take it with him and play it in the back of the car, he would exactly. be over the moon. Back of the car you know? for kids, yeah, that exactly. It could be a winner, yeah, Mario Kart. Yeah, that could be an could absolute be, winner. Yeah. Capturing <clears throat> the Wii again. Yep. Yeah, they and might, then what I mean, they need... Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I said they might have deliberately done a lot of market research on this in order to try and tap that market because parents taking kids on trips, you know, if kids can be sitting in the back of the car playing this portable and then maybe they take the dock with them and they plug it into someone's TV, say they're going on holiday... That's a winner, isn't it? I mean, how how many people could take their console on holiday, for instance? Yeah, exactly. Well, I know a few, but not many. And yeah, just, not many. You know, I mean, it's not as yeah, portable it, as something like that. It'd is. be very cool if the docks are cheap, and you could, for example, have a holiday house. You leave a dock there, and you leave a dock at your main home as well, and you literally just pick up the portable, get in the car, and then dock it on the other side. That like, would that's, be brilliant. That's that is cool. Yeah, it's a cool idea. What well, would also if you be look good. And Nintendo won't do this because it's Nintendo. Would be if you could take your portable and dock it in someone else's dock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome because then you could take your games with you and play at your mate's house. You know, that would be cool. Well, yeah, that would actually be. I feel like that would be in their best interest to do that. Like they, in the trailer, their reveal trailer, they show a lot of you know being friendly, catching up with your friends, and doing being social. Like you'd think that you'd be able to do that. I, I, well, I, I, hope so, I would but... expect so. Yeah, but I don't know for sure. It's Nintendo, so you never know, do you? I mean, you know, it might just it might blow up as soon as you put it in someone else's dock. Does Does anyone else <laughs> think, just looking at the picture of the Switch, is this just me? Because Jay, you were saying about having weird conversations with yourself. I keep looking at that picture of the Switch and it, thinking it looks like a dog's head with flappy ears on the side. Oh no, I <laughs> yeah, do as well. <laughs> <laughs> is that deliberate? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Nintendo, isn't it? They're trying to make it cute. I'm sure. I'm sure they've got. I think they are. Look like a cute I'm sure they animal. are. 
Yeah, I'm sure it was deliberate because there was a dog in the advert and I'm thinking, is this psychological? Are they trying to get us, you know, switched? <laughs> I think I've already <laughs> seen I think I've already seen plushy toys for it as well. So Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised because of the way it looks. The merchandising's already kicked up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh dear. All right, it's so if you so guys good. had to give me one prediction each for the launch of the Nintendo Switch, what would it be? Is this hardware or software or anything? Anything you want related to the launch window of the Switch. I can give it to you in three words if you want. Not enough stock. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say dead on arrival or something. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say that because I actually... Not think enough stock, yeah. I think it would do well at launch. I just I think there's a, quite a lot of buzz about it that's positive. Yeah. So, yeah. but my concern People is... People know what it is. They won't be able to fulfill demand, and I think there's. I've already heard rumors that there's not going to be that many available. Yeah, I, I've heard that as well. I think they're apparently approaching the Switch launch extremely cautiously with how many units they're producing. So I wouldn't be surprised if, probably not to the same degree, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see supply issues like we did with the Mini NES. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, oh, we'll definitely yeah. see supply issues. Definitely. I'm actually the more the more I look at it, the more. I'm actually getting, becoming more interested in it as a concept because I think it's a good idea. But I probably wouldn't pre-order one. I probably wouldn't get one anyway, but I'll wait and see. I'll see how it's, you know, how it performs technically, how people receive it, what the actual launch lineup is. I think it's got a chance of hitting a, a market, you know, a niche market, but I'm not sure how... You know how many it will have to sell. My my concern is it will have to do really well. I think it's going to have to have a gangbuster style if it wants to. You know, obviously at its launch, you have third party developers kind of going, "Yeah, we're backing it. Here's a game. Here's one <laughs> or two games from us." And then unless it you know goes gangbusters, they're going to struggle to maintain that. You know, as soon as as soon as the alarm bells start going off for sales, third party developers will like gone. See you later. I mean, it's not just the launch lineup, it's the next three to six months after that, they're key. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's it's the whole of 2017. They need they yeah. need software, they need sales, they need a they need a solid year like the PS4 had. Yeah, I mean, um, people are already talking about Microsoft in negative terms because of the fact they're cancelling big, big name games like Scalebound. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're saying that Sony has a very strong lineup of games for 2017. It has 35... Um, exclusive games that's good because they had a this year. fairly average year last year didn't they, they did it was yeah they year? did yeah. Yeah, yeah there was there wasn't much out you know uncharted 4 and like a couple of others start of the year yeah this year they've got 35 yeah, and that's a lot compared to like that's what incredible xbox yeah. have i'm yeah i'm shocked that they pulled the pin on scalebound like from the demos that i'd seen it looked it looked I'm like it was well. running well and obviously that's a a little slice of the game that was probably published that uh, sorry polished up for you know these events but uh, it must have been pretty bad i think the relationship was the was the issue i think the relationship was soured and i think microsoft have difficult relationships with some of their um like their their developers i'm not sure why but i mean it, it could end up somewhere else but i think the key with with nintendo is like you say the launch lineup has to be good but also it has to have enough games coming out over that period because in order to compete because it's going to be competing with whether it likes it or not it's competing with the ps4 and the xbox one and potentially the scorpio later on in the year it's a gaming so, console yeah it has to it has to find its it has to find its feet and it has to find its position in that market it has you know, to drop over. some monster software at, at, at holiday next year yeah uh, this definitely. this year sorry this year this year, yeah. And not um, only that, but even if it does have gangbuster sales and it does get a few good titles, Nintendo need to be proactive and keep, you know, acquiring these timed exclusives and stuff like that. They need to drive, you know, up a reason to buy the system. Yeah, no. Because you know, again, not, I, I still don't think people are going to buy it if you can just get the same games coming out on it that you can just get on your PS4 and Xbox well, One. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're not going to play FIFA, are they? On if they've already got it on another system, I mean Xbox struggle with you know getting um, FIFA um, interest on their system because people just like playing it on PlayStation because it's always been on PlayStation. Like they like the D pad better on PlayStation as well. Um, yeah, and it's going to be interesting. I mean Nintendo have a a lot of ground to cover. A lot. Um, it's going to be a busy year for them. 
All right, hit hit me, Joe. Hit me with your prediction. I predict that the Switch is going to have Fight Night at Christmas this year, <laughs> and I will buy a package with it in, even though I may already have a Switch by then. If it comes out with Fight Night bundled in it, I will go out and buy it again. There you go. That's my prediction. <laughs> no, that's never going to happen, is it? No, I, 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 to be honest, I, I think the big thing for me is that I think that it will come out you won't be able to buy it. A lot of people are going to get pissed off with it and then it's going to start to tail off and I reckon it will start to tail off before the end of the year. Yeah, people just stop talking about it. I think you're right. I mean, I got a Wii at launch but I was lucky to get one because there weren't many available. Um, but it it will be, the supply issue will be interesting to see, you know, how they handle that. Definitely. I think that's key. I was going to say they they cannot afford to create artificial demand by holding back or or not producing enough because no they're way. not in that position anymore. They need no. to put them on shelves, give people the chance to buy them. You want people if 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 the predictions are true and and that it's not going to be expensive, then you need to have it so that people can go and buy it as an impulse buy. You know, they they need to be able to walk into a game shop and and see it on display, and and that's the other thing. They need to have it on in the shops. They need to have you know, have it with a TV and that in the shop, so you can play it in the shop. And they need to generate buzz. And if people Definitely. go in the shop and they go, oh look, that's cool, and then they go, oh oh oh, that that looks really cool. I'll I'll buy that. How you know? It's it's two fifty, three hundred quid or whatever it is they're going to sell it for. Oh oh yeah, I'll go go and buy it. Go to the counter. Oh no, sorry, we're out of stock. That, that that's it's gonna kill it. It'll die. I think it has to be cheaper than I think it has to be 199 pound. Personally, I reckon that's I reckon top price 250. But yeah, I I agree with you. I think um, it, it, as long as it's one piece of kit and not like two, like they did with yeah. the, the with the Wii, um, then yeah, about 199, 250 max. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. So my prediction is probably something along the lines of Joe, whereas I think. We're going to see supply issues like we have. Not as probably, probably not as bad as what we did with the mini NES, but I think it's going to be a real supply issue. I don't think it's going to be artificially created. I think they are just going to approach it cautiously, and it's probably going to be. It's. I think off the bat, it's going to be popular. I think we're going to, and I think that's why we're going to see these supply issues. Um, but in the more of the long term, twenty seventeen, I think, like what we covered earlier in the cast, I think this is a console still geared towards families, kids, and parents buying it for their kids. And what I think that means is that even if Nintendo are getting these third-party titles, which they need to capture the hardcore, I don't think these third-party adult experiences are going to be selling nearly as well as what they do on the PS4 and Xbox One. And I think that's going to hurt Nintendo's chances at getting long-term third-party support. Yeah. If you if you're a hardcore gamer, you already have a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One, or you plan on getting a Scorpio, you're not going to buy a Switch for a, you know Assassin's Creed. <laughs> no, it's not enough of a, a pool, <laughs> is it? Really, at the end of the day. <laughs> I know. I, I, unless, and this is why you know this folds into it as well. Unless they're going to do aggressively push timed exclusives, there's no reason you, myself, or Joe to get one, unless you have kids, you know. Or you're really hooked on the idea of having a portable console. Yeah, completely. So adding on to that, sorry to, to butt in here again, but um, what do you think they might be announcing tomorrow? What might we see tomorrow? I think we'll just get the price, launch lineup, a couple of trailers and demos. Um, they, might have, they might have some other little surprise up their sleeve. You know, they'll probably... They'll probably drop a couple of big bombshells for what's coming towards the end of the year and early next year, like maybe, you know, as a Mario Galaxy 3 or another massive, uh, probably a couple of big third-party bombshells drop, but I reckon that'll probably be it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It says in one of the um, links that I read, it says, speaking of Nintendo's upcoming console, NVIDIA CEO Jen Xun Huang said that the hybrid console will blow away fans in term in terms of what Nintendo has been able to achieve with its dedication of their crafting. Oh, that I read that as well. Dodge, dodgy English. Dedication of their <laughs> crafting. What does that mean? What does that even uh, mean? Yeah. You have to the you have to wizardry. <laughs> you have to understand that this is the same Jensen Wang who who did the keynote speech. So um, yes, for, for Nvidia. So, so uh, you know, doesn't he, know what. 
<clears throat> what he's talking about. Ars doesn't know what Albo's doing. <laughs> he's great at creating a technology company, but just don't have him on stage talking, all right? Just, <laughs> Maybe know. they had like the naughty the naughty dog engineers like design the hardware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just plays the last of us on a leap over and over again. Yeah. Put this in, put this in, put this in, put Do the screws this. in, you're done. Yeah, <laughs> it'll work. Honestly, cross your fingers. Can we? Can we have Uncharted Six? No, no, you cannot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Switch is gonna gonna launch with Half Life Three. <laughs> yeah, with a pic- picture of Shergar on the front. <laughs> no, nobody will get that joke unless they're over forty and British. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right, well, I think that's pretty much a wrap, isn't it, guys? I think we've covered yep. it all, really. I think so. That's pretty much a wrap. So thanks for listening to our first episode of 2017, and hopefully you enjoyed it, and we hope you tune in next week and subscribe. And just quickly, a little reminder that you can find all of our channels down below in the description. We have our Twitters in there as well. And remember, guys, that we are doing the Gears of War giveaway so you're going to be able to get two games in this episode and two games in next week's episode and all you have to do is subscribe like the video and time code down below in the description where we cut in that little strange out of place audio clip and if you are one of two of the first commenters who have time coded it down below in the comments you get the code for gears of war 1 and gears of war 2 so on that note we'll see you next week guys have a good one and see you later